Supposed to be real cold in Heinz Field Sunday. High of 18, low of 7. Maybe some snow between now and then. Swirling winds. I don't know if that helps the Steelers' passing game. But Jacksonville is a Florida team. I know one thing for sure. If we're talking about the weather, as a factor, we've had way too much time to talk about this game. Tee the ball up and kick it off. If you want a reason why Jacksonville could beat Pittsburgh, well, Jacksonville did beat Pittsburgh in week five. Jacksonville still has that great secondary. Jackson also still has Blake Bortles. But Pittsburgh wins because I don't think the Steelers want to face the music if they don't. This is the Mark Madden Show. Radio, TV, electronic, and print. I am Pittsburgh Media's total package. The number to call is 412-333-WXDX or follow me on Twitter at MarkMaddenX. Artie Burns suffered a hyperextended knee yesterday at practice. That's why he left practice early. But Artie says he will play Sunday. That's good news. No word yet on it. who left the facility yesterday with his arm in a sling. I went to PennDOT to get my new picture license. Went to Bridgeville instead of Duncan Manor. I was literally in and out within seven minutes. They treated me like I was Sidney Crosby. Remember that tempest in a teapot? Uh, Duke beat Pitt men's basketball by 35. Here's a more disturbing number. Only 9,000 showed up at the Pete which means about 3,500 empty seats. Pitt basketball is in trouble, and not just because Pitt basketball sucks. College sports fans are supposed to be more loyal and diehard. And if you've got 3,500 empty seats when you play Duke, a marquee opponent, that is not good. The fallout continues about Latang making the All-Star game and Phil Kessel not. Nobody seems to mind that Sid made it because everybody wants to see Sid in the All-Star game, and he's doing pretty good, actually, just under a point per game. Sid's only five points out of the top ten scores, and I bet by the time the season's over, he winds up finishing top five. Letang is a defenseman, and Kessel's a forward, so Letang didn't take Kessel's spot. Hey, it's a screwy format and three-on-three calls for a certain type of player, which Kessel is, but you just can't take three Penguins. Although Tampa Bay did get four players. Everyone else in the Atlantic Division got one player. Tampa Bay got four. Then again, they are by far, so far, the best team in hockey. There's a bunch of articles about all-star snubs, and it's generally agreed that Kessel's is the most egregious but Tarasenko didn't make it either from St. Louis or Marchessault from Vegas. And you can make the argument that John Gibson of Anaheim and Baldwin should have made it ahead of Marc-Andre Fleury on the Pacific Division team because Fleury was so often injured. But there are so many requirements for how these teams are picked, so whoever makes it, makes it. I just don't think Phil Kessel feels too bad about this. I honestly don't. I think Phil would rather have the days off, and I think he likes being a martyr. 
That stuff he tweeted during the World Cup of Hockey after Team USA snubbed him, that kind of confirms that. The Pens return to action at home against Detroit. That's Saturday. Detroit isn't very good, so the Penguins really need to win that game. I'm not sure what angles are left regarding the Steelers and them Jags. Let's recap the major points of discussion so far. Blake Bortles sucks. The Jags have really good quarterbacks. The Jags have a really good running game, so the Steelers shouldn't fall behind. The Steelers are healthy, except for Shazier, Tuit, and maybe Burns, so actually they're not really that healthy. The Jags killed the Steelers in Week 5, but Ben won't throw five picks again. James Harrison doesn't play for the Jags, but what if he did? Actually, once the Steelers cut Harrison, Harrison should have played for every Steelers opponent the rest of the season. That would have made my job a lot easier. If you made me rank the factors for Sunday's game, I'd make the Bortles factor number one. Bortles isn't just bad. He's really bad, and he would really have to yank this result out of his backside, not unlike Tim Tebow in 2011, but I don't see it. Uh, watch out for Ben. Ben is going to light up Jacksonville. After throwing those five picks in week five, Ben has got them jags right where he wants them, and I'm not kidding. People talk about Ben's five picks as the root cause of that loss in week five, and as you can imagine, they really didn't help, even if you do take a closer look. But if you do take a closer look, the Steelers mostly lost because they were 0-3 in the red zone and led by only 9-7 to in the third quarter when they could have been ahead by much more. Convert a couple of them field goals to touchdowns, and then instead of leading 9-7, you're ahead 17-7. Big difference. It definitely affects the way that game finishes out. Here's an interesting quote from Lev Bell on them Jags. Basically admitting that the Steelers underestimated Jacksonville in Week 5. Quote, the Jaguars are not normally a good team, but those guys have players this year. Unquote. That's a backhanded compliment worthy of Jackie from that 70s show. Oh, Mrs. Foreman, you're my favorite old lady. The Jags are not normally a good team, but those guys have players this year, unquote. That confirms the narrative that the Steelers played down to the competition and also ties very nicely into my notion that Jacksonville, having beat Pittsburgh in Week 5, is now a good thing. Quick baseball note, Garrett Cole is still a pirate for now. Andrew McCutcheon is still a pirate for now. Josh Harrison is still a pirate for now. Uh, Jay Bruce signed with the New York Mets, the free agent outfielder. Three years for a total of 39 mil. That's not that much. But Jay Bruce reportedly took it because there's a lot of free agents out there, especially outfielders, and not much movement so far. So for the time being, it's a buyer's market. 
one which the Pirates will not take advantage of. They have yet to spend a single solitary dollar in free agency this offseason. Uh, there's a bunch of new flavors of Diet Coke. Feisty Cherry, Ginger Lime, Twisted Mango, and Zesty Blood Orange. I like the idea of Zesty Blood Orange because it sounds like something you drink in a satanic ritual. A couple sad notes, albeit one has definite hope. Fast Eddie Clark died yesterday at age 67. He was the guitarist in the classic lineup of Motorhead, along with Lemmy and Filthy Animal, Phil Taylor. Uh, Eddie was also the founder and guitarist of Fastway, which sounded decidedly different and had a couple real big radio hits, including uh, Say What You Will. Fast Eddie Clark was awesome, and he will be missed. Also... Our friend Pierre Maguire had surgery for prostate cancer. It looks like they caught it early. And uh, Pierre hopes to return for the Olympic hockey tournament. So get well wishes to Pierre Maguire, a friend of the show, and uh, my friend, period. we got a great show today. Ian Eagle, who's doing play-by-play for the Steelers game Sunday on CBS. He'll join me at 4.30. Jeff Lagerman, the former Jacksonville defensive end, who does their radio color. He joins me at 5.15. And we got Josh Joey talking pens too, live in studio at 3.30. The pens are back in action Saturday at home against Detroit. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I got a really interesting pens note I'll talk about on the other side of the break. If you're looking for the Penguins to swing a big deal or even any trade, it may not be too easy to do that. I'll tell you why in a moment. 1059 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Mark? Yes? I have a crush on you. What a gutless bitch the Hebrew hammer is. What a bubblehead. The X at 1059. Here's some hot news. I'm going to give away tickets for the Penguins-Detroit game. That's this Saturday. I'm giving it away at the bottom of this hour. And then I'm giving away $1,000 cash each hour for the rest of the show, which begs the question, why isn't that money being given to me? But it's going to be given to you, the loyal listener. So stay tuned, and I'll tell you how to win. Uh, Here's a real interesting Penguins note. We got Josh Joey on at the bottom of the hour. A hockey guy with another NHL team told me the league's general managers don't really want to help the Penguins by making a trade. That it's going to be real tough for Jim Rutherford to make a meaningful deal because the other general managers are tired of Pittsburgh winning. That's really petty. Tom Petty. But it doesn't surprise me because it is so NHL. And it's jolting news. Not that Rutherford has a lot to deal in terms of surplus NHL talent or prospects. But uh, if the other GMs don't want to do it, or if they hold Rutherford's feet to the fryer to make a, a deal that drastically favors them, it's going to be tough. We'll talk to Yoey about that at the bottom of the hour. 
This is real interesting. So listen, and when I'm done talking about it, go online and read the story. Drew McGarry, ex of Deadspin. Well, I think he still does an article now and again for them. And now with GQ, wrote a brilliant story about the aftermath of the Ryan Shazier injury that can be summed up in one sentence pulled from the article. And I quote, This is about the Steelers and the NFL deftly sidestepping the obvious horrors of Shazier's injury and turning it into a bizarre rah-rah story. Unquote. Boy, isn't that the truth? We're so busy doing hashtag Shaliv and dedicating wins the Steelers ain't even got yet. And Mike Mitchell saying we're going to beat the Patriots for Shazier. That we have barely bothered to consider that Ryan Shazier is in a wheelchair because of football. Uh, We don't yet even know the exact nature of Shazier's injury. The NFL and the Steelers aren't telling us because that's not a good story. Shazier in a wheelchair at practice, uh, that's a good story. Inspirational. It sidesteps the horror like McGarry wrote. Uh, It was a true, visible representation of what football can do to someone, perhaps someone you love, but the NFL kept the show going and remarkably never really had to answer for it. Boy, that's good writing, Dickie. Another quote from Drew McGarry's article at GQ.com. This is must-read. Check it out by Drew McGarry at GQ.com. I posted the article on Twitter, retweeted rather, and Jay tweeted in reply, Yesterday I kept seeing and hearing Ryan Shazier showed up at practice in his wheelchair. Isn't that great? I said to myself, no, it isn't great because he showed up in a wheelchair. Again, check out that article. It's at GQ.com by Drew McGarry. McGarry is uh, one of the talented guys at Deadspin. He mostly left, Leach left, and now Deadspin sucks. Time to give away a couple pens tickets. Caller number 13. We'll pretend Nick Benino's still on the team. Caller number 13 gets two tickets. To the Penguins. Oh, this is Pens and Rangers. These tickets. Not Pens and Red Wings Saturday. You can win tickets to see the Penguins and the Rangers Sunday night. Get all drunk up for the Steeler game. Hopefully the black and gold win. Then go watch the Penguins play the Rangers. That's Sunday night. Caller number 13 gets a couple tickets right now at 412-333-WXDX. This is Phil Kessa of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden, the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Well, this sucks. That traitor Coutinho is on TV on the bench before the Barcelona game. Hurt and can't play. Good. I hope you're hurt forever. Joining me, Joe, in the studio from The Athletic, here to talk hockey. He is Josh Yoey. Josh, I've been told that NHL GMs don't want to trade with the Penguins because they're tired of the Penguins winning. On one hand, that sounds far-fetched and petty. On the other hand, it just sounds so... NHL. First of all, I liked your segue from the football on your television right 
right into that. That's why you're the best in the business. Um, I, I haven't heard that specifically, Mark. Would it surprise you? No, of course not. And listen, it has nothing to do with Jim Rutherford, who's the guy trying to make deals. Everybody likes Jim. But, yeah, I mean, people who run hockey teams usually are kind of petty. Uh, this Or Tom Petty, as you like to say. I'm sorry. Tom Petty, to get it right. And, and uh, no, it wouldn't shock me at all. That And it kind of makes sense. Why would you want the same team to win every year? Why would you want to empower the best teams? I, I guess I theoretically understand it, at least. Well, Elliot Friedman uh, of Sportsnet, this just moving on Twitter, he quoted an anonymous NHL GM, quote, God, I hope no one helps Pittsburgh get better. So the Penguins might have to do it with what they got. Uh Another thing that isn't mentioned is that the Penguins don't have a lot to trade, not many prospects, and I don't think they really want to move any prominent NHL guys. As the season progresses, I sense Jim doesn't really want to make a blockbuster per se. I I don't see that coming at all. I actually spoke with him yesterday, and it's clear to me that he wants to do something, and when I say something, I'm still alluding to the third-line center situation, which has been going on since July when Nick Benino left. He still wants one more center. That's pretty clear to me. He does not want to make a blockbuster deal. Um, number one, I don't think he has the pieces really to do so. It's not like they're loaded with prospects. And the few guys they have, Sprong, Aston Reese, but they don't want to trade those guys. Right. They view them as important to their future. And anytime you have guys like Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel who make so much money, you need guys on their first contracts who can be productive. So those are really valuable pieces for the Penguins. So I don't see that happening. And I don't think Jim feels like all that ails the Penguins right now can be fixed with one with one massive trade. I think he feels like this team finds itself, finds its way, or it doesn't, and one more piece or two more pieces probably won't make that much of a difference. No, a blockbuster, in fact, might upset what they appear to be starting to build on a little bit anyway, we'll, we'll get to in a couple minutes. Uh, I'm kind of mad that Phil Kessel didn't make the All-Star game, Josh, but I wonder if Phil is. Do you have any feedback from yesterday's All-Star game selections? Well, you know, I'm not in regular contact with Phil, as most members of the media aren't, so I can't say for sure. Uh, however, I will say this. I would be stunned if Phil Kessel were upset about this. Phil would much rather be at a blackjack table somewhere, at a poker table somewhere, maybe in the Caribbean somewhere for a couple of days. Shout out to people listening in Mexico right now. You have a lot of fans in Mexico today, Mark. But listen, he doesn't care. And you, I think you said it earlier in the show that he was uh, kind of enjoys being the martyr. Absolutely he does. This plays right into Phil Kessel's hands. He does not care at all. Why do I have people listening in Mexico? It's people I know that wanted me to give them a shout out, Mark, so I did. Viva la raza! <laughs> uh, here's my logic for those all-star game picks. Everyone wants to see Sid... And Latang is real good three on three, and play on three on three obviously affects the selection process. Well, yeah, I mean, listen, look at Chris Latang. Have you ever seen a player better in three on three than Chris Latang? He's the best three on three defenseman in hockey. Yeah, and he and Carlson. I, I will say Carlson. I don't get to see Ottawa that often. I would assume he's brilliant in that setting. I don't, well. don't want to see Ottawa that often. Uh, good point, Mark. But no, if you're interested in just winning or, or showing showing off the game or showcasing players in that element who are the best. Yeah, Latang makes sense. Do I think Chris has really played at an all-star level this season? No, not really. But, you know, we can't be critical of the NHL for being bad at selling the game and then say, well, Sidney Crosby shouldn't be there because he's having an off year or Latang shouldn't be there. No, the best players should be there. So from that standpoint, I don't really have an issue with it. Right. It's the best players combined with who the fans want to see. And if, if the latter group includes guys who are usually among the best players in the league, which, I mean, you know, hey, Sid's still among the top however many forwards in the league. He's not fraud of the top ten in scoring. Uh, that's just who got picked, and that's that. Now, four players from Tampa Bay made it. 
that's pretty clear confirmation that the Lightning <laughs> are the top dog right now. And they are. I mean, I, I wrote an article yesterday in which I essentially said, if you're Jim Rutherford, maybe you should give the Penguins a piece or two more because once they get into the playoffs, who in the East is going to beat them, especially in the division? And I, I stand by that. However, Tampa might beat them. Uh, Tampa is the best team in the league right now uh, on paper. Um, but you know what, Josh? If they would play in the first round because the Penguins got the second wild card, Tampa would have to uh, penguin the Penguins because they play the same style, and they would have to slay some old ghosts. Yeah. And that's a lot easier said than done. The Penguins are very comfortable playing against them. It's just their kind of hockey. It's not hard for them to no, play against it's, them. It's wide open, skating hockey, and you do feel like there's a psychological edge with the Penguins in that matchup. So that's my point. You look at the East, nobody is that good. And if the Penguins simply get into the tournament... Um, nobody wants to play them, and we know that. So that that was you know, something that could make things very compelling this spring. We're talking to Josh Shelley of TheAthletic.com. He's brought to you by the Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Uh, Josh, the Penguins have won three out of their last four. They're starting to score some goals. Do you see legit signs of life for just another false dawn? No, I do. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, Sidney Crosby played his two best games of the season in the last two games by far. Um, you know, he was not himself in the first half. He still put up his points. He, you know, he's always going to do that, but he was absolutely dominant the past two games. That's a very encouraging sign. And I thought, especially in the Boston game, Mark, pardon the cliche here, but the Penguins for the first time all season looked like the Penguins and they just did. There was an explosiveness to them that we haven't really seen. Now, I don't know if they'll be able to maintain that. But I was encouraged by what I saw, and I asked Rutherford about that yesterday, and he said he's actually seen signs for a couple of weeks now that he thought this team was starting to come out of its funk. So um, you don't want to say they're all the way back because of a couple of wins, but I really saw some encouraging signs there. Sid has seven points in his last two games. You alluded to that. And uh, I don't know if that offers guarantees moving forward, but the big thing is it sparked his confidence and uh, at a perfect time. Speaking to him... Uh, after the game against Boston, just him talking about hockey, he, he looked like a whole new person off the rink as well as on the rink. He he did. I, I wish I would have taken video of him in the locker room in Brooklyn after that game when he had the four-point explosion on that Friday night. The look on his face, uh, there was just an intensity on his face. I hadn't seen it all season. It, he looked like a guy who had just figured out something. And, and you're right, Mark, it is confidence. You can be the best player in the world. He's one of the five best players of all time, in my opinion. But your confidence can still fluctuate. He's not immune to that. He never has been. And it's clear to me that something clicked with him in the last few days. And uh, I have a feeling he's going to get really hot in the second half. I don't know if he's going to end up winning the scoring title. He might be too far behind in that regard. But I think he could get to top five, though. He could. Um, don't be shocked at all. He just uh, You know it when you see it, Mark. And he had that look on his face after the last couple of games. Uh, he's locked in all of a sudden. He's going to get hot here. There's no question. How are the balanced lines working out, uh, in your view, Josh? Does Mike Sullivan have the complimentary personnel to put Kessel, Sid, and Gino on different lines like in 2016? No, he doesn't because he doesn't have a center who can play with Kessel right now if he does that. Um, I, I appreciate why Sullivan wants to do it. I, I understand completely there. And Gensel kind of has the talent, but he's not played enough center at this level to function with Kessel like Kessel needs. Yeah, he, he has the offensive ability to play with Phil. But, yeah, I don't know that Jake is really a good NHL center. We've seen a, you know, very small doses. I haven't been that impressed with him at center. Um, and I also think when you've got Crosby and Malkin, you need that third-line center. It's a, it's a tricky thing. Yes, he has to be talented enough to play with Phil, 
But he also has to be a good defensive player, a guy who can win draws, things like that. And I don't know if Jake's that guy. So I think that would be an issue. I still think they need a, a legitimate third-line center to play with Phil. That's the one piece they need. If they get that, then yes, they are a matchup nightmare come spring. There's no question. And let's face it, they would get Tyler Bozak from Toronto if Toronto didn't fear playing Pittsburgh yeah. in the playoffs. And you can't not, blame Toronto for not trading him to Pittsburgh. Not, not even a bit. And I think the Sid line and the Malkin line right now each have a clear weak link. Simon with Sid and Hagler with Gino, and I don't see how that works in the long run. No, and for for that matter, I don't particularly like Hornquist with Gino. I don't think you do either, Mark. It's just, I don't know, it doesn't really mesh to me. But uh, Hagelin, he's just completely broken. I mean, the offensive game is just gone. This isn't a slump at this point. This might just be who the guy is. Um, he is, As I keep saying, he's not slumping. He just stopped scoring. Yeah, so that's an issue. But, you know, they the, the point is, though, when you look at Gensel, if you get a third-line center, all of a sudden Gensel plays with either Crosby or Malkin, and that makes a heck of a lot more sense. That makes those guys better. Um, so they've got some pieces to work with. I know Sullivan wants to keep Kessel and Malkin away from each other because of the matchup issue, and I also think just the coach and Sullivan, and coaches get irritated with things like, you know, mental lapses and defensive lapses. Gino and Phil together can drive a coach nuts, and I think that does happen at times. I like Sprong with Sid so far, and I think Gensel winds up on that left wing eventually, don't you? Probably. And uh, I think Sprong's here to stay. Yes, I do too. And, uh, you know, the thing about Sprong, you hear all this stuff, well, he's got to work on his 200-foot game, blah, blah, blah. I think the Penguins' bigger issue with him is that the guy's got a big ego and that that would, that would rub some people the wrong way. But you know what? I think this team needs some of that. And I think I love the fact that he doesn't defer to Sid. I love that he has a two-on-one and he takes the shot himself. That's good. Sid needs that sometimes. The Penguins need that, and the kid can obviously play. Uh, you watch him play once, and you see big-time goal-scoring talent. So I think he's here to stay, too, and I think he's going to make a real impact. Now let me let me throw a curveball at you because you're convinced the Penguins will yet trade for third-line center. I'm not so sure. I think they like Shane in that role, and once Ronnie returns – I think Shane at least gets a shot to prove he could be a third-line guy and not a good fourth-line guy, as he has been since they moved Gensel to center in Ronnie's absence. Yeah, I'm not convinced they're going to make the trade. I think if Jim had his had his wish, that's what he would acquire. But, yeah, Jim likes Shane. He's the guy who acquired him. He wanted him for months. And Shane hasn't been horrible. He's been okay. He's he's scoring more yeah. than, than Benino did during his salad days in Pittsburgh. And Shane's other metrics are better than Benino's. They are. Great face-off guy. He is. And the thing about Benino that you can't really quantify, uh, the guy was a better player in the playoffs. He just was. And some, some players are like that. Hornquist is a better player in the playoffs. Benino was also funnier than Shane. Yes. He had that dry Boston sense of humor. And that's big for me. Right. Shane's kind of funny, though. you got to get to know him a little better, I think. Eh. He made a couple of inappropriate jokes at one point, which I can't repeat, but they were good. But anyway, um, he's been okay. I mean, if Shane's your fourth-line center, I think you're in really good shape. I, I, I'm not saying he can't be the third-line center. He, he might be forced into that role, but he needs to produce more if he's going to. Has only Mata been the Penguins' best defenseman so far this season? Yes. I'm not saying he should be in the All-Star game instead of Tanger, but I think he's really restored his career yeah he's certainly been their most stable defenseman and no he has been steady he wasn't bad in the playoffs last year he, he got better and better by the time you know they got to the final against nashville i thought he was playing really well and i think he has just been solid as a rock all season mark um you know we forget he's only 23 years old so he is still at an age where he can get better he has been through a ton maybe he's not going to be a superstar like some people thought when he was drafted but I look at Ole, and I see a guy who is a very good top-four defenseman for the next decade. Those guys don't grow on trees. And finally, 
Uh, I was a little shocked that Ian Cole, who's played very well and has been blocking a lot of shots uh, since he got back in the lineup, was a scratch for the Boston game Sunday, and Alexiak and uh, Hunwick played. I would rather play Cole ahead of either of those two guys. What does the coach see in those two guys, or, or doesn't see it in Cole perhaps, that is causing him to leave Cole out of the lineup? Well, first of all, back to that Boston game. On that morning, after the morning skate, Cole was one of the first guys off the ice, and I don't think he had any idea that he was out of the lineup. Yeah, usually you can tell. He thought he was in. Everybody thought he was in. It was very puzzling to me. I think they're intrigued with Oleksiak, and he hasn't been bad. I mean, you can certainly see why a scout would watch that guy play and say, yeah, there's something there. Um, the Hunwick thing is what's puzzling to me. He has not played well at all. He's been really bad for the last couple of weeks, in my opinion. He's losing one-on-one -on -one battles a lot. Ian Cole is a better player than Matt Hunwick, in my opinion, and I think in most people's opinions. Sullivan and Cole, boy, it's just a, a funny relationship, and it's clear that... But you can't let that get in the way. Oh, well, I agree. But it, for whatever reason, when Cole makes mistakes, it gets under Sullivan's skin more than with other defensemen. It just does. I don't know why, but it's always been that way. That's Josh Shelley from TheAthletic.com. I'm Mark Madden. Don't forget, later this hour, we're giving away $1,000. Josh, you're ineligible. Do you get paid for this? Uh, I think your company owes me money from like three years ago, but it's cool. I'm not going to complain. You're ineligible. <laughs> 105.9 The X. It's Abby. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Hi, uh, Mark. Sorry. I'm talking to my son. Um, no one cares at all. No one. The X at 105.9. Thanks to Josh Shelley for joining me. He's from TheAthletic.com. At 4.30, we got Ian Eagle. Going to be doing play-by-play -play for the Steelers game Sunday on CBS. And don't forget, in just a little bit, I'm going to tell you how you can win $1,000 cash. A baseball agent, Jason Wood, got fired by his company and suspended by the MLB Players Association because he got caught videotaping his clients while they were showering at his home. Worse yet, the executive producer for these videos was Harvey Weinstein. Uh, speaking of baseball, uh, Garrett Cole has still not been traded, but the feeling out there is it's inevitable. I mentioned earlier that Jay Bruce, the outfielder, free agent, has signed a three-year deal with the Mets. $39 million total contract value. Well, the Giants were after Bruce, and since they didn't get him, they may now once again focus their efforts on trading for Andrew McCutcheon. And like I mentioned yesterday, the Pirates have not yet spent one thin dime in free agency. Uh, they're not shopping at Saks Fifth Avenue. They're not even shopping at Walmart. The Pirates are shopping at Sanford & Son. People are talking about who should and shouldn't be in the NHL All-Star Game. But like Yoey and I talked about, you know who the Penguins' best defenseman is so far this season? Ole Mata. No question. I think so. Yoey said so. Jason Mackey said so in today's Post-Gazette. But again, they want defensemen who excel at three-on-three -three hockey. And then there's the team thing. Noah Hannafin of Carolina is in no way better than, say, Zach Wierenski from Columbus. But Carolina had to be represented. That's for TV. You want every market to watch. 
TV is why every team is represented. Not just in the NHL All-Star Game, but in pretty much every major sports All-Star Game. Talk, of course, is going to drift back to the Steelers and the Jags this Sunday. The playoff game, and uh, there are so many things you could look at as a potential determining factor for this game. Uh, at the top of the show, I said Jacksonville can't win because Bortles sucks. Ignoring, of course, the fact that he pretty much sucked in week five, but them Jags won anyway. Uh, I'm going to talk about the single biggest matchup in the game at 4 o'clock. But there's some things that we're just not talking about that are very relevant. For example, if you want a stat that's been overlooked, here's one. We've been bragging and tweeting and sweating and spitting and screaming because the Steelers got 56 sacks, tops in the NFL, and a new single-season team record. And, And rightly so. Considering the history of the pass rush here in Pittsburgh, some of the great teams and all the great players, that is a significant accomplishment. Jacksonville had 55 sacks. Second in the league and just one less than Pittsburgh. Campbell had 14 and a half. Nikakoe, I think that's how you pronounce his name, with 12. And we have not talked about that, their pass rush, those stats, one bit all week. Like I said earlier, people talk about Ben's five picks killing the Steelers in week five, but what really killed them was they were 0 for 3 in the red zone and led by 9-7 in the third quarter. People forget that, that the Steelers lost 30-9, but led 9-7 in the third quarter. But it was 9-7 Pittsburgh when it could have and should have been much more, a uh, much bigger edge. And then people talk about the great seasons Cam Hayward has had, and he certainly has first-team All-Pro, but if you watch the tape of the Week 5 game, he only had two tackles the whole game. You know why? They double and triple teamed him every snap. You know, if you're a defensive lineman, the other team, through double and triple teaming, can keep you from being a factor. Sometimes there's nothing you can do, and the other guys have to pick up the slack by using the space afforded them because you're getting double and triple teamed. Just so many factors in this game, and a lot of people are acting like the Steelers winning is inevitable. I will say it's probable, but again, a lot of factors. And in 30 seconds, I'm going to talk about the game's single biggest matchup, 105.90X. Oh, wait, I always forget to do the promos. Right now, it's a chance for you to win a $1,000 bribe. From 105.9 x I'm bribing you to like me. Just listen, then text the keyword you're about to hear, and you could win a thousand bucks from the X. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9.